Hey, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown Podcast. I'm Julie. Some of you know me as Dry Mountain Mama, and I'm here with Steve Kay to bring you Sobertown's Rewired Podcast. We're diving into the book Rewired by Erica Spiegelman and learning how it can completely change the way we think and help us create a life so full that there's no space left for alcohol. Before we get started, I want to invite you to visit SobertownPodcast.com where you will find all of the podcast episodes and tons of recovery-related resources. You'll find tools like Todd's blog, which includes his sobriety toolbox, filled with great ideas for handling cravings, reframing difficult thoughts, dealing with drinking situations, and everything else you need to tackle sobriety. We also want to give a shout-out to the I Am Sober app and the community there, where many of us met and have found our tribe, creating the foundation for successful recovery. If you haven't yet, do go download the I Am Sober app and come join us there. I'd like to welcome a friend from the IAS community, SoberTownPodcast.com, and host of the Friday Night Rewired Zoom meeting. Peanut, how are you tonight? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's 38 minutes past my bedtime. So have you know that I did stay up for you both tonight. Awesome. So thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> We're really glad to have you. Do you want to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself? How long do you have? No. Um, well, <laughs> I, um, I am educated. Technically, um, I have a BA and a MS um, from some universities here in Colorado. I am the founder and owner of the Yarn Consolery. We launched that on February 22nd, 2022. And that's essentially an outreach resource center uh, for all different types of needs. Um, so love for you guys to check that out. Um, I also am a Sobertown contributor. Um, I've done, I think this is my fifth one I've done um, on, on the podcast. Um, So loving that. And with that, I've been rewiring my brain as the, as Steve had mentioned, the facilitator for the support group and really stepped into that role because I was resistant to uh, the Erica Spiegelman program. I have been in extensive uh, therapy over many, many years, uh, both court ordered and self ordered. And I thought I knew all I needed to know. So the concept of evolution and all of these big brand mind, uh, I'm trying to keep my mouth clean for you guys, mind things um, was a lot for me. Um, so probably what helped get me sober um, today, I am 402 days sober. It was a combination of therapy, uh, the IAS, the I Am Sober app, the Sober Squad Zooms, the Women's Sober Sisters, uh, Telegram Zooms, all of their groups. I've done a lot of trauma-sensitive yoga. Uh, That has helped me release um, a lot of the things from my body, as well as brain spotting. So those are kind of what has brought me to you here and how I rewired and became a Spiegelman advocate. Awesome. That is, those are some really great resources that you've mentioned there. Thank you. A lot of times early recovery is filled with feelings of hopelessness, of fear, worry that it will be too hard, wondering if all the work will be worth it, feeling like you might never overcome all of the mistakes and regrets that come with drinking. 
Sometimes the hopelessness holds us back from even starting on the road to recovery. And sometimes it's what drags us back to the beginning before we manage to get a solid foothold. So today we're here to try to refute that hopelessness, the fear. Today we're here to talk about hope. Peanut, what are some of your thoughts here? Ready to take a, a deep breath. Um, that was beautiful, Miss um, Julie. Thank you. That was, I, I can't wait to listen to that again. I'll have to put that in my hope journal. <laughs> Hope is something for me that I have really kind of latched onto. I feel like hope is something that I've really defined for myself uh, throughout life. And no one's been able to define that for me. Whereas I think some of the other concepts um, in the rewired has a lot of kind of stigma or societal kind of grasp around the words. Whereas I feel like hope, you know, hope kind of allows us to kind of undo that old story. I love the idea that sometimes when we're, like you said, in those early days, that we are so kind of stuck in that survival mode, you know, um, that we don't really see a future or see any hope for us. And so how, how do we find hope? And I think I think you said it perfectly. And that's, a, I brought my Spiegelman coloring book. And that's the, um, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. And I think that fear is based from love, but a lot of people can't find love, but they can have some hope. And maybe that's because nobody's brought down the concept of hope. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I think it does. I think. How did you say that nobody's brought down the concept of hope? Yeah, like say I could talk to you about love, but there's definitely a lot of misconceptions and different perspectives about the word love. But, and there's not really any societal stigma or anything that holds, you know, holds down hope. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's really many negative connotations to hope. I can't think of any at all. No, I can't you, think of anything off the top of my head there either. Whereas, you know, if we say gratitude, if we say evolution, if we say communication, I mean, we can definitely pull some possible challenges or limitations from that word. But what about hope? And I know, Julie, you said to me earlier, faith. And I had never really linked hope and faith. So when you mentioned that earlier to me, I thought that was huge. And for me, faith and love and gratitude and all of those concepts are just kind of in the ethers you know they're there you can't grasp on whereas I think hope is almost and I asked my family about it you know and they said uh, it's it's a belief it's something you keep inside my daughter who's eight said it's your path it's your truth it's your inspiration of what could be and I think that's something we can all define for ourselves. And I think that there's something that everybody has, maybe a little bit of hope inside. You know, I mean, could, could we maybe find in people, if they're in the beginning stages, or even me, you know, I'm 402, and I could go drink right now and break everything down. But knowing that I have some sort of hope of the future and what's to become, and just knowing that only better things will come, that's something I can hold on to. Is that, is that a better painting of that? Yeah, that makes really good sense. Absolutely. I think that 
hope is what hope really helps you not drink. Right. I mean, no matter how far along you are in the journey, I think hope is one of the things that, that makes you want to hold on to your sobriety to just not drink for one more day. Cause you know what the potential is for all the good that could come. So it's a really good motivator or inspiration. And I love um, in the coloring book, I'm back to the the rewired coloring book. It says um, perfectly that hope is a feeling of trust and security and a reason to keep going. And, and knowing that things have happened and they've happened for a reason and for a greater purpose. And I feel like hope kind of allows you to forgive yourself, you know, and knowing that all of these things that have happened in our lives and our path, you know, is, is brought from our past. So again, we're not holding on to our past to dwell on that, but just to kind of to see how we can go forward and find the hope. And, you know, it's funny because I was this morning, I couldn't find hope. I don't know. I was looking all over. I couldn't find hope. And I was telling you, I'm like, I don't have it in the book. And you said, Steve can send it over. And then after I meditated, the meditation was on conflict, ironically enough. And how if you come from a positive light and you're not hopeless, then you can solve conflict, right? So it's a believing in hope in the future. And then I was looking in Rewired, her book, and there's some questions in it to Erica and talking about, you know, how do I, you know, deal with people and and how do I, the question specifically is, should I act in a certain way? Is tough love a good idea? And I struggle with this a lot because I have a tendency to kind of be immersed in hope. So kind of the rose colored glasses. And so I don't want to turn my back on people if they're in a bad point, but a lot of, you know, a lot of sobriety hardliners think, you know, if you're using or if you've been drinking, don't contact me, you know, call me after you're sober where I'm kind of like, oh, contact me if you need to, because I may be the last person. And so she says, should I act a certain way? Is tough love a good idea? And she says, always try to express hope, no matter how desperate the situation may seem. And we can be loving, even though we create those boundaries. So maybe that's what we're here to do is create hope. And maybe that's what being sober is, is it is giving us a hope. You know, Sober I Thrive said to me the other day, she says, you know, I think you've got great self-esteem, you know, uh, because you're sober and you made the choice to stay sober one more day. And I think that's just really hopeful language because I think so often we don't see ourselves the way others do. And I think others kind of give us that hope in ourselves. I agree with that. One of the things that she says in the book is surrendering to hope requires a tremendous leap of faith. It means trusting the words of others. When those of us who are sober tell you that the best years of your life lay ahead of you. And I think that's really true. It's trusting the words of others in general. But then I really like, especially that, you know, it's looking to the people who are further ahead and and getting hope from other people. I think that's a lot of what we do. And that's a lot of what our community and connection is about, is giving hope to others and then getting it from them too. And I, I think that's spot on, Julie. I think that's completely perfect because, you know, we can't often look to ourselves for hope you know, just as I can't, you know, I can't love myself and I can't really be grateful to myself, but I can certainly give you to hope. 
-hmm. I can give the girls in the group hope. I can give, um, I'm going to be working on, I think I mentioned this, I'm going to be working on um, with Rocky Mountain Crisis Partners, and I'm going to be working on the 988 initiative, which is basically the mental health uh, counterpart to 911. So it's going to roll out in July. And essentially, if you're in mental pain, um, if you're you know having ideation, you can call 988 and they will send a medical health professional to help you um, instead of calling 911 and then you would be sending an officer. So as I'm working, you know, through these classes and I'm starting training and having to do these readings, they talk a lot about hopelessness. And that's the main flag for people in mental health and pain. And then behind that is substance abuse Mm -hmm. and, or, you know, sometimes they go one or the other one, two, one, two, one, two, you know? And so I think a lot about that and how you said earlier, you know, sometimes drinking kind of confirms that hopeful hopelessness inside of us. And so that's for me, I I kind of feel that taking away the drink increases the hope inside. It Um, definitely, it definitely opens the door up for hope. Right. Right. Uh, um, so how do, and maybe this is where I need to get my pencil. How do we give people hope? I mean, I could tell you, you know, rewire your brain, um, but the last chapter is hope. And so is that the hardest thing to come with is a hope. Julie and I were talking beforehand and I can, I said that hope is individual we all have our own sense of that and we share that through our stories, through our experiences and everything else. And really in the end, there's that some sort of connection. I think when you're sharing that your, your story, something that you have in common or whatever that may be that even what Erica says, you know, that the experience, somebody that's farther along turns around and, and, somebody new coming in sees us uh, somebody else and says wow okay that you did that you experienced something the same kind of sort of thing that I went through and there's that feeling of being alone that gets taken away that also gives that sense of hope right I'm not the only one that's dealt with this I can I can now visually see somebody that is thriving being successful in their sobriety i can do this i think i oh sorry julie go ahead um i i remember i I felt hopeless so many times in my life i mean to the point of suicidal ideation um and then everything that went along with drinking too much for however long and the one thing that stood out to me is that i always when i got to that point of complete hopelessness it was because i couldn't see past where I was right now. I couldn't see the other side. So I always tell people there's always an other side to whatever it is that you're feeling right now, because you can get to the point where you feel so stuck and so buried in your decisions or your regrets or your sadness or your anxiety or all of those things that you forget that there's an other side to it. Um, and so when I talk to anybody who's just feeling that, that hopelessness, that's usually the first thing that I try to remind them of, because it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that where you're at right now, isn't where you're going to stay. There is an other side. Um, and I think share, like Steve was saying, sharing our stories, 
and letting people see where we were and what our other side looked like. You know, I remember when I first quit drinking and this time around, and I couldn't even fathom overcoming all of the guilt and all of the shame from some of the things that happened right before I quit. Like I was sure that that was just, that was where I was going to stay forever. And people kept telling me, just give it time, just give it time, you know? And really I think time was a lot of it, but there's another side. I'm okay now that like the, the guilt and the shame isn't still weighing me down. Isn't still burying me. Um, so if we share all of those stories, which thing takes an exceptional amount of vulnerability to share where we were our most hopeless and then let people know where we are now. I think that that gives a lot of hope. And I think I love, I love the idea you guys are, I feel like you guys are setting me up perfectly for all these thoughts that are just coming out. Uh, and I watched a piece that uh, Sober Eye Thrive sent over about uh, not preparing for interviews or conversations because it's not authentic. And so I had done some, um, you know, some notes and I'd been kind of working through stuff and I was uh, looking up and this might be old school for you guys, Louise Hay. And it's, you can heal your life. And she's super old school. So, and this is ironic because essentially what she says is that, you know, body first, the mind affects your body. And so she has a whole list of things in her book that if you have these conditions, it's because you have this particular mindset. And then she gives affirmations. So I was just looking through this for the irony and for depression, she believes that it's hopelessness and only seeing in black and white, not believing that gray is okay. And so you said exactly what she thought back, you know, eight, you know, in the eighties and what Erica Spiegelman is saying. And I love the idea of doing the affirmations to bring us out of that hopeless state. And you know what I've kind of... I know we said that looking towards people who have had a lot of time, but I also see a lot of hope in people that come into the groups that are new. Mm -hmm. And there's times that, you know, some of the younger kids will, I say kids, cause I'm 45, you know, the 20 year olds will come in and I mean, they will just blow my mind out of the water and their hope and the way that they reframe and the way that they use words in power. And so I think you said it perfectly about, that vulnerability of feeling the community and being able to share that, that point. And also knowing that, you know, it, it could come again. I mean, there are days that you're on the other side and you haven't picked up a drink, but it's still hopeless, you know? And, and right now with all the things that are going on in the world, it, it feels helpless and hopeless. And, you know, sometimes thinking, you know, picking up a drink or a substance is going to help me deal with all of these feelings, but maybe holding on to the hope is all we can do and not pick up. Yeah. I think it's the, the holding on to the hope, the knowing that whatever it is that is to come is better than numbing the feelings of hopelessness or helplessness or any of those things right now. Because as soon as you choose to numb all the, all of those feelings right now, you're essentially giving up on hope, you know, the, I think the hope is what keeps us from drinking. Right. 
Right. And, and like we said before, you know, we've made it through a hundred percent of our worst days now. So yeah. I don't know, like we said, I don't want necessarily want to use a bad experience as my anchor to know what I can get through, but maybe using this, this sweet spot here on the other side to say, man, this feels great. You know, this feels pretty amazing. Like I'm feeling pretty hopeful today. I got to hang out with you guys. We got to talk rewired. I'm really doing well on the F-bombs and I don't know about the ums, <laughs> let me know. Um, but but I love the idea of the hopefulness, um, kind of having that gratitude string and finding the good in in that hopelessness. And And it's not to say that, you know, I mean, I feel I feel the darkness and I feel hopeless. But I mean, being with people gives, gives me hope, you know, and anytime you're feeling hopeless, I think that's when you have to reach out or get on the zoom or send the text or, you, you know, we start to have people in our tribe that they, they know when we don't respond or if we're not sending many memes that day, or, you know, even today when I was, I was harassing Julie earlier about what about this? And I can't find the hope. And she's like, you know, I've had a very interesting couple of days. You know, so it's just like another thing added on and handled, you know, whereas before we wouldn't have felt very, very hopeful possibly about circumstances. Right. Yeah. I think there's two, um, you know, one of the things that made me nervous about quitting drinking was my fear of getting through the hard things in life. The reason I lost control of drinking was due to a traumatic experience. And so I had a really hard time believing that if another traumatic experience happened, that I would be able to stay sober. And so, you know, part of me was like, well, I don't even want to try. That just sounds terrifying. That sounds too hard. And it stopped me from even wanting to try. And then I quit drinking because that was the only way I was going to survive at all. And then a really similar traumatic experience happened. So this time it went, it wasn't the same, but so just to be more specific at like what, four months my dog died, which was really hard. It was, it was a really difficult thing to go through. I mean, my, my dogs are like my kids. Yeah. Oh. And that was one of the things that I was terrified of having to deal with sober. I was sure that I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, mm-hmm. The amazing thing with community is that as soon as I even knew something was wrong, that she wasn't well, I reached out to people and, and had support and I made it through. It was hard. It was really, really hard, but then making it through and being again on the other side, of that situation makes me realize that maybe I can do other hard things. Like that gives me so much more hope for even harder things that are guaranteed to happen because it's life, right? Hard things are going to keep happening, but you get through one thing and then it gives you hope to be able to make it through the next thing. Sometimes if we give up too soon, then we don't give ourselves the chance to succeed the next time, you know, you, you have to keep giving yourself the opportunity to succeed. That's what gives you the hope. Where do your beliefs take you? You know, does that go back to kind of, you know, you, you knew that you could get through a hard time sober and you, you had hope that you could do it again. And so did that belief, was it belief or hope and are they the same? This is where I got into talking about the inspiration. Okay. Where you find you could feel hope, hopeless and then through whatever, something happens in your life, there's some sort of inspiration that ends up giving you that hope. You get that little burst of energy or whatever that 
that is that comes around and, and, and it gives you that because all you need is that little bit right to hang on to that little that little press of inspiration to give you forward momentum so is that like the chicken or the egg right what comes mm-hmm. first the hope um and then then, then we were talking about intentions versus goals versus belief versus hope and um then the faith and so as as i was looking up hope faith kept coming up faith kept coming up but like i said faith is so wrapped for me i mean the entanglement around the word faith is massive for me and so i kept and that's where i found that community and it was a hope it was i don't i want to say what it's called because i want to blast them but it was a um for mental health i think you guys saw that it was for mental health all these great things um you know a lot about helping with suicide and then they had a post about alcohol they have an alcohol in honor of this mental organization and i was so upset about it and you know i was kind of i was, I was getting in the loop right into that like what, why, why, why? And, and I'm losing hope and I'm going, you know, you can't have hope in the name of your organization and be, you know, pressing one of the things that takes our hope away. Right. Um, and, and there I did the right thing, but I guess that's what you said about perspective, right? This is individual. This is, is about me and my hope and my internal forward, forward momentum, right? What inspires me to give hope? And how do we do that for people who don't have it? I think, and and it comes back to faith. What is faith? Faith is just a belief in something you can't see or touch or hold on to, right? And we think about faith in a religious sense all the time, but it doesn't have to be that. It's just believing in something that isn't right in front of you believing that it's there. And we were saying the other day on, I think it was a different podcast. I wish I could just hand everybody a photo album of what their life could look like if they can just get through whatever this hard time is, whether it's, you know, the, the early sober days or whether they're five years in and something really hard is happening and they're, they're losing hope there. If I could just hand them a set of pictures, here's what your life's going to look like a year from now. It's the faith in whatever that set of pictures looks like that is hope. Right. We just then, can't see it. And I also love, I love that, you, you know, it's maybe not something tangible, but it's a feeling, it's a sensation, you know, and I think maybe that's what we're holding on to. You know, um, I can't define, you know, and, and like you said, it's individual. And, and like when I talk to my husband and my daughter, you know, it's dreams, it's belief, it's an ideal situation. Um, what has you feeling hope? I mean, it's so individual and so personal. I think that's what it is. I mean, you have to get down and say, hey, you know, where what are your beliefs, Steve? Where are they taking you? What uh, What do you need to change? What kind of solutions will help you find the hope? And that's where she talks about hope comes from all of the other things that are in this book, mm-hmm. all other 11 topics, right? Those are the things, those are the actions, those are the changes, those are the beliefs that give you hope. Hope right. is the very last chapter for that reason. And hope is hard because it's intangible. You can't, there's no action you can associate with hope. There's nothing you can physically do to create hope. It's all in your head, right? It's all things you're thinking about. If you look at all the other chapters, the evolution or gratitude or solitude or honesty, there's action items. There's things you can do 
to fulfill those, to, to work on those, to progress in those areas. Hope all happens in your head, in your heart. There's not really an action associated with it. So I think that's, I don't know, there's, there's a reason it's the last thing there. It is very intangible. And it's all of those other things ahead that give us the hope. I wonder and, if. Oh, go for it. I wonder if that really intertwines with connection, hope. It, it has to, because the only way I get hope is if I give you hope, right? The only way I feel love is if is if I give you love and you give me love. And it's that cyclical hope, love, gratitude. It's a constant cycle of giving and service and community. And, you know, if Steve can't pick me up, I can call Julie and she can pick me up or mm -hmm. it, it's gotta be, it, it's gotta be because you can't, you know, you could teach somebody to love, right? You could teach somebody how to communicate, how to evolve. Like you said, Julie, you've got action items. So you can go into the book and I'll tell you what to do. Can you teach someone hope? You know, if someone's always in a survival mode and they're stuck in that past story, can they find hope? You know, if you I'm so tired. Yeah. I, mean, I think you just explained it. <laughs> you can teach people all of these other things. And if you do that, they'll get hope. And I almost feel like we've all had hope from the beginning. And that was that little inspiration. Like Julie said, you knew there was something on the other side. I mean, yeah, for a lot of us, it was like, we don't want to die, you know? And that was a nice little, you know, thing that gave us the hope. But you said it perfectly. I mean, if I could, if we would all look back to who we were before this journey and, and, and we were here, look, you know, look back and forth at, at ourselves, how we are now, I don't think I had much hope. Although I think I told you earlier, I, had, I was born with hope. So I think, I, I think I'm getting it by learning how to be loved and, and by this family, by this chosen family. It's you a guys constant give me exchange, hope. isn't it? I mean, all of this, all of sobriety, all of the community, everything that we do, it's just a constant exchange. It's an exchange of love and of understanding and empathy and compassion and of hope, we just give and receive constantly. That's what we do in a community like this. In, in, in any sober group or community, that's what it is. It's the exchange. Exactly. And like we always say, you know, we don't call them breakout rooms. We call them breakdown rooms because you go, you have your breakdown and then they, you go, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I, I said all these things, the vulnerability kicks in and they say, I, you know, I really hope to see you next week, peanut. We hope you come. Mm -hmm. We hope you feel better. We hope, and you walk out of there with the tips, numbers, names, and people who do instill hope in you. It's hard to walk away without hope when you go into a group like that, where everybody shares and everybody is so honest and vulnerable. It's hard to walk away without some amount of hope. And I think that's, you said it perfectly, that's what keeps us sober. Because not only do you all have hope in me and keeping me on the right track and keeping me sane and alive, because that's why I'm sober to be sane and alive. And that makes me find hope to not pick up to not when, and I was thinking of you when I have a house full of kids and I'm trying to save the world and it'd be really easy to just check out and get on my phone, you know, um, but to be there and be present and be hopeful and give them hope because it's got that, that ripple effect. 
right? It's, it's, I did the right, Steve. You know, it's, it's not just us anymore. You know, it's not just giving us hope or giving everyone around us hope, our kids, our families, the people in the group. So there's, I mean, there's a lot riding on this hope. Thank you, Peanut, for taking the time with us tonight, staying up past your bedtime. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's actually an hour and 11 minutes past my bedtime. Um, I am no drifter. I need at least eight or eight or nine hours every night straight through. But I want to thank you for sure for, you know, sharing with us your thoughts on hope, you know, feeling of trust, creating your own sense of hope, sharing and listening to others in their experiences, being vulnerable and how that affects hope and how sharing that vulnerability gives people a sense of hope that they're not alone. Finding another way, looking on the other side of hopelessness, and really in the end is believing you can conquer fear with hope. Thanks, Peanut. Really appreciate your time. Thank you both for having me. Um, I'm filled with hope, and I appreciate you both so much. Uh, My brain is always rewiring in your honor. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And to our listeners, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. And we'll be back soon with another episode of Sobertown's Rewired podcast.